morning. Great. Won't you sing this with me? My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood in righteousness I dare not trust the sweetest frame but wholly trust in Jesus name sing that again my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus blood in righteousness I dare not trust I dare not trust the sweetest rain 
God, we thank you for, for who you are. God, thank you that our, you are our reigning God, that we don't ever have to wake up on a Sunday, a Monday, a Tuesday morning and wonder where you are, wonder if you still have your finger on the pulse of the world, wonder if you're still on your throne, that you are the reigning God. And because of your victory, those of us that call you Father have victory as well. Thank you this morning that you meet us right where we are, God, for the person that's in here for the first time. God, we just pray your presence felt by them. God, that they would feel your love, they would feel your peace in spite of what's happening around them. God, for the person that's been in church all their life, God, we pray that you would reveal yourself in fresh ways this morning. God, that we would be reminded of, of your reigning victory, of your future promises, and of the present hope. In Jesus' name, amen. Y'all can have a seat. Everybody feeling good? One person, good. It's good to have you. Happy July 4th week. I'm thankful um, that we get to celebrate July 4th, that we live in a country that is still free, and we're free to gather like this on a Sunday morning and worship the true God, the one who does reign for now and forever. And uh, if you're a guest with us this morning, thank you so much for taking time out of your, your holiday weekend to be with us. We don't take that uh, lightly. If uh, you are a guest with us this morning, as we prepare to worship through giving, please know that we don't expect you to give. That's not why someone brought you here. That's not why someone invited you here. Totally pressure's off. Um, that's, not, that's not what we're about. Um, for, the, for the rest of us, uh, you know there's different ways that we can give. We can give um, online at springwell.org. Uh, we can trying to think of the rest of them. We can give at the kiosk in the lobby. You would think I would have this down by now. You can text the number. It's about to be on the screen. Um, you can just leave money in your chair. No, I'm just kidding. Don't do that. That's not smart. Um, but you can, if you, if you have cash or a check, uh, you can drop it in the bucket that's about to come by, and we'll do that the old-fashioned way. Does that sound good? So if you're on the left side of the row, there's a bucket under your chair. You can pass that to, a, to the right, and an usher will get it. Thank you so much for being at Springwell. Well, good morning again. It is great to see everyone here today. How many people watched fireworks last night? Some of y'all are like, hold up, look, I'm just going to tell you something. I'm not going to give you my address because I don't want y'all to show up at once next year. But our neighbors who live across the street from us had a legitimate fireworks show that people like who run cities would have said, this is what we want to emulate. It was unbelievable. And if y'all have a way to figure out where I live, you're invited to come to my house next year. But I'm not going to tell you where we're at. You're going to have to figure that one out on your own. I mean, this is such a, a great time of year. Like, I get up here, and I, I kind of want to start like the USA, USA chant, but we're not going to do that this morning where we celebrate the freedom that we have as a nation. Again, the freedom that we have in Christ today. And if you're here and you've never experienced that, my prayer is that by the time that the end of the day happens that you will have experienced that for the first time. There have been so many really cool things that have been happening around Springwell Recently, we have a mission team who just came in yesterday afternoon after spending a week in Guatemala, and we're excited to have them back with us, excited to see and hear about the things that they were able to do, yeah. um, how God worked and moved in their lives and also in the people that they were ministering to for the last week. Um, we have, uh, I'm student pastor here, and so like we have something really cool going on tonight. We're doing a, a game night, uh, and we're playing slip and slide kickball. And, like, that's about as American as it gets. I mean, if, you know, I, just you put, 
that's America. Take two really cool things and put them together and make one awesome thing. Like, that's who we are. So that's cool that's going on. Um, We just finished up a couple weeks ago. We wrapped up one of the bigger things that we do during the year in our kids' camp. How many people participated in any way, shape, or form in kids' camp? Or you had kids who were at kids' camp, right? That was, some of y'all are like, what you talking about? All right, so anyway, it's this big, huge week that we do where uh, we just really talk about uh, how much God loves us and how we take and apply that to our lives. And we do that with kids in kindergarten all the way through fifth grade. And we had an unbelievable week. There were kids filling this room just like you are right now. We had an unbelievable week that was only made possible by unbelievable people who volunteered, an unbelievable staff who helped make things happen. And part of my responsibilities in the course of that week was just to kind of make sure that the event took place, like that everything was where it needed to be. And there were a lot of things, a lot of moving parts in my life at that time, not just with kids camp, um, but specifically like the two weeks leading up to kids camp. Um, For those, some of you know this, some of you in here uh, probably don't. Uh, back in March, the beginning of March, we found out that uh, my dad's cancer had returned, and he passed away on June the 2nd. And um, I want, do want to say thank you for those of you who have reached out to our family and loved on us. Thank you so much for that. But that happened on June 2nd. Kids camp started on June the 10th. So there was a le- week leading up to um, his passing that was, that was crazy, and then there was a week following that, and then kids camp. So when that got here, there was never a moment for me to feel like I could rest. There was never a moment where I felt like I could just sit down and take a really deep breath. There was never a time where I felt like that there wasn't something happening, something going on in my life. Uh, during the course of the week of kids camp, you, you would show up here in the morning and you would start working on things that would get ready for that evening. And there were days and there were times where I would sit there and go, you know what, okay, I, I think I have 15 minutes where something's not going to happen. I can just rest. Like not take a nap or anything, but just rest. And inevitably, every time I thought that, I ended up receiving a text that something needed to be taken care of. I ended up getting a phone call that something needed to be taken care of and there was never that moment to rest. And then the kids show up every evening at six o'clock. That's a whole nother world, y'all. Like when you've got 300 kids in a room and then you've got another 100 volunteers on top of it, there's a lot happening. There's a lot of moving parts. And in between our opening session, then the kids would go to these breakout things and they would do that and they were having fun out there. And that was kind of my time to sit back and go, okay, This is going to be my chance to rest. But then it never failed. Every night there was a call that came over the radio. Hey, two kids ran into each other face first while they were playing tag out in the game time. Hey, uh, we we didn't have enough of a snack. There's something going on over there that's happening with that. Hey, a kid glued his eyelids together in the craft room. (laughs) Hey, kids are running around going crazy. Okay, like kids weren't running around going crazy. But no, so... Actually, the eyelid thing didn't happen either. Uh, it sounds really good. There's a part of me that wished it had. Like, I'm not going to lie because that would have been a really cool story. Um, I could probably make one up. We're not going to do that. But anyway, what I'm getting at is that entire week, there was thing after thing after thing after thing, and I never felt like I was able to rest. I was at a place in my life where I was physically exhausted. I was mentally exhausted. I was emotionally exhausted. I was spiritually exhausted. And I just didn't feel like I could catch up. I didn't feel like anything that I did, everything that I did felt like it prevented me from resting. Have you ever felt that way? I'm sure that we all have in some way, shape, or form. As a matter of fact, my gut tells me that there's at least one person in this room today because you feel that way right now. And you're trying to figure out how do I rest. It's not just a matter of sleeping well at night, but how do I rest my spirit? Now, what I've discovered that for me is that I have a tendency to think that rest only comes from an absence of hostility, whether it's work or whether it's at home, whether it's with a spouse or with kids, whether that's just life in general, health, all of these kind of things. I often feel like and think and equate rest with an absence of hostility. But the truth is, is that rest doesn't come from a lack of hostility, but it comes from a foundation that doesn't change. And so today, we're going to kick off a brand new series called Front Porch Sitting. Like, one of the things that I love about a front porch is that you just get to sit, you relax, 
You have a time to just kind of think things through. It's meant to be a peaceful place. And what we're going to do over the next few weeks is we're going to talk through and understand the nature of God and how that applies to our life, that time where we just kind of sit back and we think about who he is and how that has an effect on us. And today I want us to begin that by looking at Psalm 62. Now, if you don't know where the book of Psalm is and you have a Bible with you and you stick your thumb in the middle and open it up and you're more than likely going to land in the book of Psalms. If you're like, I don't have a Bible but I have an app on my phone, sorry, you can't put your thumb in the middle of your phone and find Psalms. It doesn't work that way, but I'm sure that you can go search for it. But in Psalm 62, this is a psalm that is written by a guy by the name of David. David, some of us in here may know as a man who at one point in time fought and then ultimately killed a giant named Goliath. Some of us may know David as a man after God's own heart. Some of us may know David as a man who sinned with someone named Bathsheba and then decided that he was going to cover that up by actually having her husband murdered on the front lines of battle and then just act like everything was okay. Now, I get that those last two statements I made from like this kind of sin and, and then covering up murder and all of that, and man, for God's own heart, like the pendulum really swung from one side to the other. I get that. But the truth is, is that this was a man who was a man after God's own heart. And the reason was is because he understood God's nature. He sought it out. He saw how it had been demonstrated in his own life. And so as a result, he ended up writing many psalms or songs talking about the nature of God and how it had affected him. And we're going to look at one of those today, Psalm 62. And I want us to start together in verse 1. David writes, I am at rest in God alone. My salvation comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my stronghold. I will never be shaken. Now, he begins this entire thing with a very important statement that's going to be the foundation of everything that we talk about today that he is at rest in God alone. The only place that David can find rest is in God alone. And that word alone occurs five different times in the next six verses. So this is a really big deal that he's saying, look, you can look in all kind of different places. You can place your, your trust and your faith in a lot of different things. But ultimately, if you're wanting to experience real rest, it's only going to be found in the person of God. There's a biblical scholar and there's somebody who spent a lot of time studying Scripture and a lot of time breaking these things down, more time than, than I probably have or that I ever will for that matter. He put it this way when talking about that first verse. This is why God keeps you waiting. All that is of self and nature must be silence. One voice after another cease to boast. One light after another be put out until the soul is shut up to God alone. Now, that sounds really good, and I wish I could say that I came up with that, but that wasn't me. So I'm going to give you the Brian version of what that guy just said, because that's the version that makes the most sense to me. That for me to experience true rest, I have to silence all of my reasoning. I have to silence all of my selfishness, all of my need to be in control, and I have to be willing to take my hand off the wheel. Because the only way I'm going to find rest is in God alone. I remember when our daughter Hannah, her birthday was just a couple weeks ago. She just turned seven. I remember when she was born. And that night, we are in the room, my wife Michelle and I, and Hannah's in the room with us. And someone comes in and says, do you want us to take her to the nursery? We're first-time parents. We're brand-new parents. I'm like, no, you're not taking my baby anywhere. Get your hands off my, off my child. Like, we're going to throw down in the middle of the hospital room. No, she needs to be here because I need to make sure that she's breathing. I need to make sure that she's okay. And then the thought crosses your mind, oh, wait a minute, you're in a hospital. I'm pretty sure those people know how to do that. Also, we had had other people tell us over and over again, hey, if they come in and ask, do you want them to go to the nursery? You go, yes, absolutely. This is fantastic because before I even said yes, Literally, three-quarters of the women in the room went. <laughs> you get it. You understand it. And so we're like, yeah, go to the nursery. Y'all, that was a phenomenal night's sleep. It was so good. In the moment, I didn't want to take my hands off of my daughter. I wanted to make sure that she was going to be okay through the middle of the night. But I had to trust that there was going to be someone else who not only could do just as good a job of that as me, but probably a better job. When David says... I find my rest in God alone. He understands 
he has to take his hands off of his life. That there's nothing that he can do, there's nothing that he can say that will cause him or allow him to rest any more than if he finds that rest in God alone. He follows this up by talking about how God alone is not only his place of rest, but his rock and his salvation and his stronghold. Now, a lot of times in these Psalms, when David wrote these, he was writing from a place of trouble. He was writing from a place where he was in great need or he was describing a crisis that was going on in his life. But this one's different. This one doesn't start that way. It doesn't start with him talking about being in fear of anything, which is something that would happen commonly when he wrote a psalm. He doesn't talk about or he doesn't pray for God's protection or for God to intervene. He doesn't do any of that. Instead, he makes a definitive statement of something that he believes, that not only is God alone his place of rest, but he's a rock, he's a stronghold, he's the source of his salvation. And that leads me to understand this that stability and strength are a byproduct of God's sovereignty. Meaning that the only place I will experience stability in my life, because let's face it, all of us at some point in time either have or are right now going through something where we feel like the ground is shaking. The only way that I'm going to experience stability, the only way that I'm going to experience real strength in my life is when I place my hope and my trust in an all-powerful, all-knowing God. Not just because he's so big and so powerful, but because he has my best interest in mind. That's how David starts this psalm out. He continues in verse 3 by saying, how long will you threaten a man? He's not talking to God now, he's actually talking to his enemies. Will all of you attack as if he were a leaning wall or a tottering fence? That's just a great word. I'm going to find a way to use tottering like every day this week. I have to do that. They only plan to bring him down from his high position. They take pleasure in lying. They bless with their mouths, but they curse inwardly. Selah. Now, basically, what he's doing here is he's saying that his enemies are crazy for continually attacking him. He says, how long will you threaten a man? How long are you going to keep this up, guys? Come on, y'all. You're going to keep coming after me, but I just told you my source of rest, my source of strength, my salvation isn't found in what I do, in what I say, but it is found in God alone. So y'all can keep coming after me. You can keep threatening me. You can keep attacking me like you think I'm just going to fall over. You can try to bring me down from my high position. You can take pleasure in lying. You can bless me to my face, but you can curse me behind my back. Keep doing it. It's all right because I'm resting in God. When I was growing up, um, the family that lived right next door to us had two sons that were basically the same ages as my brother and myself. And then there was another guy that was my age that lived down at the end of the street. And the five of us did all kind of things together. Uh, we played basketball, we played baseball in the backyards, we rode bikes, we did all of these things. And I remember it was during the summer, probably around this time, as a matter of fact, during the summer one year, we were at our neighbor's house and we were playing basketball. And it was, had started to get dark. And there was this kid who had just moved into the neighborhood. He'd moved in next door to the guy who lived at the end of the street. And when he first showed up, like, it was cool. Like, he kind of hung out with us and we played around and that kind of thing. But the more we got to know this dude, he just was weird, I know it's strange to hear a pastor stand up on stage and be like, somebody was weird, but sometimes we're weird, okay? I mean, like, that's the way it was. Like, something didn't sit right between us and this kid, and we couldn't figure out what it was. We didn't know, and we just kind of went on our own. So we're out there playing basketball one night, and the next thing we know, we hear something just like, and hit the ground, and it splatters all over the place next to us, and we're looking around like, what just happened? And then another one, and then another one, and all of a sudden we realize someone's throwing eggs at us. Like the, the, the neighbors, the, their driveway was a little bit of a hill, not much, and we're kind of at the bottom. We look up, and it's this kid from the end of the street. And he's standing there next to his bicycle holding eggs in his hands, and he's just chunking one after another at us. Now I sit back and I'm thinking, dude, what? 
you saw us looking at you. Why did you keep throwing them? And not only was he that, he's standing up at the top of the hill like with a maniacal movie villain laugh. <laughs> like that's what he's doing. He's got this weird laugh and we're just kind of stunned. We're like, what's going on? And eggs are just flying in. Well, all of a sudden, like a couple of us start running after him. The other ones jump on their bicycles and we go chasing this kid all the way back to his house. We know it's him. We watch him go inside his house. We stand out there and we're like, what are we going to do to get him back? Well, we, don't, we didn't know what to do. We were good kids. <laughs> there was a plan, but before we ever got to the plan, we got back home. And we went home and we told our parents. And I remember specifically, our neighbor's dad comes outside. And our dad was out there too. And a little bit later, I don't know, probably about half an hour or so later, the kid comes riding by on his bicycle through the neighborhood. Like, there's a part of you that you're sitting there and just like, where's an egg, where's an egg, where's an egg? Like, let me get him back, okay? Let's see if I can take him out. Like, that's the thing that's going through your mind. But he comes by and he looks at us like he hasn't done anything. And then all of a sudden, all of us are like, hey, throw another egg. We dare you. Throw another egg at us. Basically, it was like the pre-version before this phrase ever came. It was like, come at me, bro. Throw another egg. And he just speeds off and keeps on going. And it wasn't because he was scared of the five of us, because if you really knew who we were at that point in time, we weren't five kids to be scared of. It wasn't because he was scared of it, but it clicked after the fact, and now I understand it. It was because of who was standing there with us. Because we weren't there by ourselves anymore. There was somebody there who was strong. There was somebody there who was more powerful than us. There was somebody there who was more important figuratively than we were. Some of us in this room today are exhausted because of the attacks that the enemy has thrown at us over and over and over again. My prayer is that before you leave today, you understand that there is someone who's wanting to be right there beside you who's more powerful than you. That there's someone right beside you who is a lot bigger than you and who is a lot stronger than you And that what's going to end up happening is that if you keep trying to fight the attacks by yourself, you're going to be exhausted. But you need to take advantage, and I know that sounds like a strange phrase, but you need to take advantage of the fact that there is a powerful, strong rock that you can stand on and that you can rest on. And here's what you need to understand. The enemy can't destroy what the enemy can't touch. Because... And the the, the person of God the Father, and the person of Jesus Christ, he can't get to you. Merely at the name of Jesus, it it scares him off. Why in the world would we not want to take advantage of that? Why would I want to keep fighting things over and over? Why would I want to keep trying to figure out ways to help myself rest when all I need to do is just say, hey, you got it, Dad. You handle it. The hurt, the pain, the exhaustion that comes from fighting these attacks, they're not there. And it's because you're not fighting Satan on his turf anymore. In these verses, David even goes on to even ask, are you going to attack as if I were a leaning wall or a tottering fence? In other words, he's saying, so you're just going to come after me like something that's just going to bend and break. Something that's just going to fall over. It's not that simple. Because David's about to remind us that it's not that case when you're resting in God. When you realize that God is your only source of rest. When you realize that God is your only source of refuge. When you realize that he is your source of salvation. And that he is a stronghold for you. You're going to discover that those attacks are going to look completely different. But then before we move on, I want you to pay attention that there's a word that comes at the end of that, selah. This is a word that literally is meant to tell us to pause and to consider what you just thought about, what you just heard. So as David has said, God is my only source of rest. He's my, my rock. He's my refuge. He's my stronghold. He's my salvation. He said all of these things. He's talked about how these attacks can happen. And basically, he was like, hey, y'all keep trying because it's not going to affect me. 
when I read this, what I consider is that the attacks that I face are pointless when I find my rest in God. So David's going to continue. And he's going to sound like he's kind of repeating himself here in the next verse. In verse 5, he says, Rest in God alone, my soul, for my hope comes from him. He alone is my rock, my salvation, my stronghold. I will not be shaken. My salvation and glory depend on God, my strong rock. My refuge is in God. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts before him. God is our refuge. Like These are fantastic verses, but it sounds like, like David, dude, you, you ran out of ideas for your song. So you just kept saying the same things over and over and over and over again. But it's not that he's saying the same thing over again. As a matter of fact, in the first verse alone, or verse 5, where he says, Rest in God alone, my soul, for my hope comes from him. The New American Standard Bible translates it this way. My soul, wait in silence for God only, for my hope is from him. I don't know about you guys, but have you ever noticed that it's almost virtually impossible to rest unless it's quiet and still around you? Every parent in the room should have said amen, right? We, like, if you are a parent, you understand this. If you have spent any time around small children, you understand. You cannot find rest. Like our daughter, like I said, she's seven years old, and here's the thing, and she's, she's great. There are a lot of times that she'll just go play by herself. You'll hear her in her room, or she'll be in a playroom, or she'll be doing something like that. And you can sit on the sofa and go, okay, I'm just going gonna to relax. I'm going to rest for just a minute. But you can't do it, and here's why. Because you don't know when she's going to ask you a question. And with my child, that's all the time. You don't know when she's randomly going to come up and say, Daddy, I need you to do this. Daddy, can you, can you come do this? Daddy, I, I, I need this. Daddy, may I have this? Over and over and over again. And if she's not doing that and you actually do have a moment to close your eyes and you think everything's quiet and still, the next thing you know, kids bops blaring at volume 110 through the house. <laughs> or there's a random 10-minute video on YouTube of cats doing silly things. This is real life in my household. You don't rest during that stuff because then she starts to have the maniacal little laugh that the kid did when I was growing up when the cat does something. <laughs> like she thinks it's hilarious. You can't rest. You can't do that. You, you can't find a way to sit there and go, okay, decompress. Feel like you can catch up mentally or emotionally, physically, even spiritually sometimes. It's impossible to do that unless there's silence. And if you're in here today and that's how you feel in your life, not just with a child, but in any aspect of your life, and you feel like every time I start to feel like I can rest, every time I feel like I can just catch up a little bit, something else happens, everything starts to fall apart again, I don't know what to do, and what you need is silence. And I'm not talking merely about a quiet room. And I want to be honest with you guys. This is the biggest place that I struggle with this. Especially recently. Because I'm an overthinker. And anytime something's said or anytime something happens, I immediately think of the 13,408,000 different ways that that situation could go down. You don't rest when your mind's spinning like that. It's impossible to do that. So what I've discovered in studying through this passage and, and reading it and now sharing what God's shown me with you today, I have to get my own self out of my head. I have to silence me before I can silence anything else. And I have to be willing to listen only to God's voice. There are some of us today that are listening to so many other different voices. Even if we consider them to be positive influences, we're listening to so many, we're drowning out God. We have to be silent. And once that happens, once we're silent, 
then we can declare the way that David did, that God alone is my rest. He alone is my rock and my salvation. I will not be shaken. My salvation and glory depend on God, my strong rock, my refuge is in God. David understood this concept that when the noise is cleared away, that's when we find rest. That's when, and that's the reason that he keeps repeating to himself that God is my rock, God is my salvation, God is my refuge, all of those kind of things. Because you continue to reinforce it in your life. If I want to experience rest in God alone, I have to focus on who he is. Not just when I'm stressed out. Not just when I'm at my wits end. Not when I'm just physically exhausted. But according to verse 8, I have to trust in him at all times. Pour out my heart before him. And that's when he's my refuge. In the good times and in the bad. In times of mourning and in times of laughter. In the ups and in the downs. And the beauty of all of this is that I can feel this way because God is a rock. Literally an immovable object on which to rest. Verse 9, David continues and he says, Common people are only a vapor. Important people an illusion. Together on a scale they weigh less than a vapor. Place no trust in oppression or false hope in robbery. If wealth increases, don't set your heart on it. We're going to move through this kind of quick, but it's important to understand what's going on here. David starts to give us a list of things that we often try to place our hope in and try to find our rest in. He immediately starts talking about people, but then he moves on beyond that, and he starts talking about, he talks about wealth, and he talks about how we don't trust in, uh, place no trust in oppression or false hope in robbery. If wealth increases, don't set your heart on it because those things are fleeting. And I think a lot of us would say, yeah, I get that. You know, I, I may place all of my faith and my trust and I may find rest. I know this sounds strange, but I may find rest in my job because to you, there's security there. You're not guaranteed to have that job tomorrow. I, I place my I place my hope and I place my security on what my, my bank account looks like. There may be some catastrophe tomorrow that drains that pretty quickly. And then he even goes on to say and talk about how people are a vapor. And I know that for a lot of us, and me included, that what I do is I try to seek out wise counsel. That's, the Bible teaches that. That we try to place those people in our lives that we can depend on, that we can trust on, that we know have our best interest in mind, that they're hearing from God and then they're pouring into me. But he even says that, he talks about common people are only a vapor. Important people are just an illusion. And basically he says, look, I'm going to, talk about and continually talk about how God is my rock and here's why. It's because he can't be moved and he can't be shaken and he's always going to be there. But there's nothing else, including mankind, no matter how good, no matter how much they love us, no matter how upstanding, whether a Christ follower or not, they won't be around forever. There are a lot of things over the last couple of weeks that I've thought about and that I've pondered that my dad taught me. He taught us that work always comes before play. He taught me numerous times when I would call him when like I had a computer that would mess up or something and back in the day when I'd be like, hey dad, my, I can't get a dial tone on my modem. Like that doesn't even happen anymore. I, I don't know what to do. What do I do with it? First thing he always said, always said, should I unplug it and plug it back in? Every time. And I'd be like, yes! <laughs> Literally, there have been multiple things that have happened around my life, whether at home or here throughout this past week, like two or three, seriously, where I've sat there and been like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to unplug that and plug it back in and see what happens. <laughs> two of the three, it worked. Like, he knows what he, he, knows what he, knew what he was talking about. There are these sayings, there are those things that were passed on. There was his work, work ethic and his example that he set for how we love Jesus, for how he loved us. And there are those things that I miss. 
And that's the key word. Because as much as that man loved Jesus, if I solely placed my hope and my trust in him and I found my rest and how he guided me and how he counseled me, he's still not here today. I'm going to see him again. And I know that. But he's not here in the moment. And David says, look, no matter how good, no matter how bad, it doesn't matter how much these people love God or they don't. People won't always be there. Wealth won't always be there. Prosperity won't always be there. There's only one thing that will always be there. And that's where you find your rest. And it's in God alone. I know some of y'all are wondering what's going on over here. Some of you haven't heard a word I've said all morning because y'all are like, that is a little bitty sled and it's July and he can't slide down snow in this right now. Like, I get it. This is called a fit board. The idea, the idea is that you stand on this thing. Yeah, and you don't fall. And the idea is that it's meant to be unstable and that you have to work it. You, you have to try to balance on this thing. Like the idea, it says, at least they showed this on the everything that has to do with these things, is you're supposed to twist back and forth. Like I feel like I'm doing like the old Chubby Checker song right now. Um, <laughs> but the entire purpose behind this thing is that there's only one small part that's on the floor. And it's not stable. And you move around, and the entire reason that it's unstable is because it's meant to make you work really hard in your core so that you stabilize yourself and you hold yourself still. And as you work hard to do that, you build up your core muscles. Your core muscles are the foundation for your life, literally the foundation for your body. I get on this thing, and I look at it, and I think about, the times that I've chosen to place my faith and my trust on something unstable. And I think about the times that even if I see it as good and in the moment it was, but I'm only trying to rest on something that's unstable, y'all, you don't rest on this. My core muscles right now, I'm feeling it. Because I'm trying to hold myself still. And no matter how hard I try, I obviously can't. And there are a lot of people who would say, but that's what life's all about, Brian. It's, it's all about that in the instability, you try to hold yourself still. You do everything that you can and you fight. Because that's what builds the foundation. That's what makes you stronger. According to David... In Psalm 62, there's no rest in this. This is only ultimately going to end up making you exhausted. It's only going to end up making you hurt. It's only going to make you feel more tired than you were before you stepped on it. So in our lives, why in the world would we continue to choose to step on instability when we could step away from instability and step onto a rock? Why would we want to keep fighting and fighting and fighting, knowing that we're not going to find rest and that it's only making us tired and it's only making us more worn out when all we have to do is step away from those things and step on to God so that we find rest alone? There are some of us in here today who have a relationship with Jesus Christ and you understand what this looks like. There was a time in your life where you said, I am tired of being so unstable and trying to do this on my own that I'm stepping off of that and I'm stepping onto God and placing my faith and trust. You understand what this looks like and what this feels like. But then there may be some of us who have done that, but for whatever reason, the circumstances of life, we've moved away from the stronghold in the refuge of the rock and we've moved back to a place of instability. Step away from the instability and back onto the rock. There's some of us in here today that are absolutely exhausted because we have no idea where to find the rock. And we just feel like we're continuously, our life is one giant balance board. 
Here's the cool thing. You don't have to go seek him out and find him, hunt him down. He came to you. Jesus Christ, when he came to earth, when he lived as we did, when he died on a cross, when he rose again, made a way for us to rest, to step away from the instability of life and to step onto him, the rock. There are some of us that walked in this morning feeling like we're on this board. You're sitting in your seat right now and you're like, I feel like I'm on it now. And I don't know what to do and I don't know where to turn. Stop trying to fight through it and allow God to fight for you. It's then and it's only then that you'll understand everything that David is talking about in this song that the rock won't move and his word is strong. Would you stand together and sing this?
ask you guys to grab a seat for just a moment. And I'm going to ask you to, to close your eyes. We're going to pray here in just a second. I think there's some of us today who needed to be reminded of that. The rock will not move. It doesn't matter the storm. It doesn't matter the attack. It doesn't matter the circumstance. It doesn't matter the situation. The rock isn't going to move. And if that rock is your foundation in your life, then that is how you find rest. That is when you continually declare that God is not only your rock, but your refuge, your stronghold, your strength, and your salvation. Well, anybody looking around, is there anyone here today who would say, Ryan, it's really difficult for me right now. And I feel like my life is just moment after moment on that board. And then I'm fighting and I'm fighting and I'm fighting, but no matter how hard I try or no matter how I think I get it right, I'm just more and more exhausted and I'm more and more tired. And I'm tired of fighting the battle. And I'm ready to step off of that instability and step onto the rock. Without anybody looking around, would you just put your hands up? I want to pray for you today. Father, I, I pray that you will give wisdom, that you will give guidance, God, that you will give courage for folks to be willing to step away from the things that maybe they've been putting their trust in and it, it worked for a period of time, but they feel unstable and they just feel more tired than they ever have. God, all they want to do is rest. God, I pray that today the realization will be that that's our choice to step off of the instability and to step onto the rock. And I pray that happens today. Father, I pray for those who are in the room who don't have a relationship with you. They just walked in here today looking for that foundation, not knowing where it is, not knowing any other thing about life but the instability and how tired they are and how attacked they feel. God, I pray for them that today if they want to step onto that rock for the first time and they want to begin a relationship with you, that they'll just call out to you in this moment. Just saying, God, I can't do it on my own. I've tried. But every time I think I'm on firm ground, it's my sin and it's the mess in my life that ends up preventing me from stepping onto the rock because I just want to try to do it on my own and I can't. And I admit today that I am a sinner and that I'm in need of a Savior and I can't bring any stability in my life, but I believe that stability comes from you. That rest, that strength, and that salvation come from you. And that I receive that by grace through my faith in Jesus Christ as your Son, whom you sent to earth, who died on a cross and who rose again so that I could have freedom from the instability. And I believe that he made a way for me to have real rest and to find that in you. So I confess my sin. I ask you to forgive me, to save me, to change me, to make me something new. And today I commit my life to you. Today I'm stepping away from that instability and I'm stepping onto you, the rock. Thank you, Father, for how you challenged us today. Thank you for how you challenged me. Thank you for the reminder. No matter where we turn, no matter what we do, that when we sit down and we really ponder it and we really think about it, that rest is found in you and you alone. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Brian. Uh, if you just prayed that prayer to accept Christ this morning for the first time, uh, there's a card called a connection card in your handout you got on the way in. If you could fill that card out, and we would love it if you'd drop that off at the uh, information desk. It's the wooden desk in the middle of the lobby out there. Or we have a response team that's going to be right here. 
right after the service, they would love to talk with you as well. You can hand that to them. Also, if it's your first or your second time this morning, make sure you fill out that same connection card, fill out the appropriate box, and we have a gift for you at the information desk as well. We're not going to bug you or bother bother you. We just want to know you were here, and uh, we just want a chance to shake your hand, maybe give you a hug if you're a hugger. If not, no worries. Um, and just tell you thank you for being here. Just a few um, announcements before we go. Just a few opportunities to be involved in some stuff. The first thing is a backpack collection is beginning today. And so there is, in the middle of the lobby out there, there's some backpacks. If you need to take a backpack, those are provided for you. Somebody donated a bunch of those last year. So you can take a supply list that's on the top of the table, grab a backpack, take that, uh, fill it up with the items and bring it back by the end of the month. Um, just an opportunity to get involved in that, help uh, get some school supplies for a couple of local schools. So there's one opportunity. Uh, the other opportunity is um, we need growth group facilitators. Growth groups start back up in September. If you're interested in being a growth group facilitator or a growth group leader, if you could see me, you can email me, you can call me, you can sign up at the information desk in the lobby. But con- uh, um, growth groups are, are one of the really important ways to get connected to Springwell. And in order to have those, in order to get people connected and to help them grow on their path with Jesus, we need some people to facilitate those. So if you'd be willing to, we can talk, we'll train you, I'll talk, walk through that with you. Um, Sign up at the information desk where you can see me. And the last thing is GAIN. It's coming up August 12th through 18th. If you don't know what GAIN is, it's an opportunity for um, some families that are homeless in transitional housing, trying to get into more permanent housing, stay on our campus for an entire week. So we need people to to cook with them, uh, to cook for them, to sit with them, to hang out with them, um, to provide lunch, that sort of thing. There's a table in the lobby. I'll be standing there in just a minute. Um, There's a host of ways you can be involved in that, um, an opportunity to be the hands and the feet of Jesus. So if you're interested in that, stop by and see me. Those signups will be going all month long. Um, For everything else, you can look in the little handout you got on the way in. If you just want to get connected and you're like, I want to take my next step here at Springwell, stop by the information desk or check out that handout. Thank you all so much for being here. Next week, we continue front porch sitting. See you all then. Have a good week. Happy 4th.